0: Yeah, okay, so I'll start. Um the Westport Library is proud to present, oh brother, not another podcast, uh, an official Apple podcast with me, Miggs Burroughs.
1: And I'm Trace Burroughs. And today on the show we have Chris Jagger, who's a musician. Uh he has like a dozen albums out. He's a, he's done all kinds of different things in his career, a like journalist, actor, design clothes, if that's and designed a guitar, a guitar, a very innovative kind of guitar. And he's also the brother of Mick Jagger, the singer of the Rolling Stones. Who? <laughs> <I'm
0: sorry. laughs>
1: you know, you've heard about him. Um, so, uh, so Chris, you, what is the age difference between you and Mick? One hundred and twenty-four years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he looks it. <laughs>
1: it's
2: big. It's, age is just a number yeah,
0: well, yeah. What, yeah. he's
2: older th- he's older than me put it like that yeah, yeah
0: my, my son was born on his birthday july 26th actually so the name Your was son
2: was born well everyone's born on their birthday
0: that's yeah, <laughs> true but on we were born on mick's birthday and yours is close to oh, when he- when is yours yours is uh just before christmas yeah J- right in december so um yeah anyway um well i your...
2: was born on the 19th of december and my wife carrie Ann was born on the 17th of december in mm. the same
1: year wow so, so we're kind of like almost really? the same age so you've got a book out talking to myself um i was mm. gonna look at a few of the pages that they show on uh amazon oh yeah and um it was an interesting description. I really felt I was there.
0: <laughs> the
1: wartime, like, you no know, war, during the war, right? I mean, Mick, Mick was around when they were still dropping bombs, but and then and then you were born a few years later, and but it was still like the end of the war, right? Well, no, I was I I, I he was born during the war. I was born
2: in 1947, which is two years after it finished. But yeah, so I mean. Yeah, we grew up in the 1950s, yeah, and sort of similar time. Yeah, so I sort of take a sort of, you know, I take a little trip on that, you know, what it's like growing up in the, you know, in those post-war years. I mean, I suppose over there in the U.S. it would have been the Cold War and all that jazz. Um,
0: Well, I'm I'm one year older than you, so, yeah, I'm too young to remember, but it was just, the war just ended when I was born, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. And- yeah, but uh, yeah, there's a bit of a description of all that jazz because where I you know, where I was brought up was quite for semi, quite industrial. So that was quite a heavily bombed area because they used to make weapons and armaments around Dartford. It was, you know, where I was brought up in Kent, it was, uh, 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 was a lot of engineering went on there. And um, so they made a lot of stuff. My uncle works at Woolwich Arsenal, which was like on one-off torpedoes and stuff like that. So uh, there was, you know, I mean, the war had ended, but, I mean, it had been such a big event that it was sort of it cast quite a long shadow, which wasn't really, uh, which didn't really kind of lift. I mean, that was the thing about the 1960s. You know, it's not just that it was kind of of so different. It was what it was coming out of. Mm. Because the 1950s, there's quite a lot of austerity you know, whereas in the US, you had consumer, you know, you had fridges and all that, refrigerators, and you had t- TVs. In the UK, I mean, people, that was like, you had to be reasonably well off mm. to have. Most people didn't have a phone or a refrigerator or a television or a car. Yeah. So it, it was quite an austere sort of, there was rationing. There, you know, I was born in 47 and for an hour, I had a ration book for a couple more years we were on rationing mm. um because there was a lot of shortage of stuff but i mean it didn't really affect us we you know we had a great childhood it was a very happy childhood and um you know great parents so there's not you know my book has not been that popular with some some reviewers because you know i haven't got reports of a you know, a, 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 an abusive alcoholic father, <laughs> and uh, you know, living through tremendous trauma and all that stuff, which oh. is what a lot of books yeah. popularly trade on, as you might know. Um, so, I mean, we had a really kind of um, um, uneventful sort of childhood. My father was great. My mother was very wonderful. You know, my father never even raised his voice. He never oh. even shouted um you know there was no kind of uh hitting or stuff like that i don't think i mean it may have been whacked once or twice but i can't even remember it so if, from that point of view we were very fortunate you know yeah so, i would
0: say yeah oh, you did it there's a nice tribute video about your dad joe right who died uh several yeah. years ago. it's a really beautiful tribute with scrapbook pictures and everything what, what did he do for a living how did he earn how did he support the family
2: well he was uh He was initially a teacher, and then before the war, he was taught in the schools. And then after the war, he took a sort of mature course and he became a PE uh, teacher. And then he worked in the field of physical education and he was a lecturer, professor. You know, and he ended up, you know, working quite a bit in the US where he kind of preferred it because he got more. you know, they, they accorded him more, um, you know, they called him professor and he would have liked to have gone abroad and lived you know, emigrated really. But my mother didn't want to do that. And he would have been made more money and he would have had more prestige Hmm. because he had some good ideas. And so he was in, he was in education. Um, and so, yeah, I guess if you're in education, you know, you, you show me way forward with your kids because you understand about what's involved. I mean, I'm involved now. I mean, I've got 14 grandchildren and I'm, wow. you know, I'm trying to sort of help educate them. So wow. it's, it's quite a, you know, it's, it, it's a sort of rather a never ending process because you realize, um, it's a lot of work and, uh, but it's very rewarding and he would have liked myself or my brother really to have been a teacher Mm -hmm. that would have been that would have been fulfillment but in you know in some ways you do end up sort of like taking those um philosophical teaching elements i mean i've been through some schools you know with music and stuff talking to students about uh music and their uh, and their attitude and what they're going to do and what, what's worthwhile and what's not worthwhile. And uh, that's interesting. So, in a way, you still, you know, and when I write in a book, you know, you are, you look back and you think, uh, well, where did you pick up all this stuff? It was interesting, really looking back on, on my life with this book, which is a good thing for anyone to do. And, um, you know, I realized that I really didn't have hardly any formal education. I had an education, Hmm. but it was like on the hoof, as it were. (laughs)
0: You
2: know, I got it off a lot of people. I got it off a lot of different areas. And I learned as I went along. And um, so that's how it
0: kind of (laughs) was. Now, the book is called uh, talking to myself. And I, I really I love the book cover, but you're not talking to yourself. You're talking to a dog, actually. It looks like you're talking to a dog. <laughs> and in some of your videos, there's sheep and animals. Do you have a farm? Are you you're obviously into animals? Uh,
2: I got a, I got a few acres here, yeah. And you got you know, you got a few acres, you need a you know, you need a few sheep as lawn mowers and <laughs> a, few, a few chickens to lay some eggs and a, oh. you know, a dog to catch the rats and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So is that your dog or was that a was that a setup by the photographer? Is that your little pup in the in the picture? On what
2: the, is it what does it look what does it look
0: like? Well, it looks like he's looking at you so like you know, with yeah. such love. Yeah.
2: HMV. Hmm?
1: His master's voice.
0: It's, yeah, that's right. That's right, his master's voice, right? Um So how did I? I so your uncle
1: Cyril, is that how you pronounce pronounce his his name? Uh, he had a inf- lot of influence in you right I mean oh Horace he-
2: yeah my mother had four brothers yeah so we had I had four uncles from my mother's side um yeah Horace it was uh, oh, yeah they were what about what about them
1: I was gonna say I read some part where it said he bought you bought some records for you and a little player and introduced you to some music you think that's where you and even Mick got into you know, into music because no one in your family is a musician, right? Other than your brother. Right?
2: No, most people assume that you know. A lot of people have like you know their father or mother was a musician. They had piano at home and they had all these educational mm. opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know that didn't exist back in the day. Or we we didn't even have a record player. <laughs> we we there was a radio. You know, yeah. I and mean, if you can imagine now when you got. Spotify, and you can dial up any number. You know imagine what it was like in the old days when people, what in the era that we grew up in, it was sheet music. I mean, uh-huh. not that we read it or that, but you went down to the music store, and if you were interested in a certain tune, you bought the sheet music.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's why right. you couldn't hear it. But it, it, you know, the the Beatles, you know, any you know, like Liverpool group said, the ships would come in and bring forty fives from the United States. That's how they learned about the blues. Um, where did you for did you have access to any? Was there any uh US music in your early life that you knew about?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, that's the advantage of having an elder brother, they're kind of that much further down the road, aren't they? So they kind of they you know, you you cotton onto their you know, you hang on their shirt tails and you find out stuff. So, I mean, I was like 13 years old and I was listening to Muddy Waters and How oh. and Wolf which my contemporaries were like, you know, were listening. Because back in the day, what used to happen is Elvis Presley or someone in the US would record at their next single, and then it would be copied by an English artist <laughs> and then pushed out really fast yeah. so that, you know, they had the kind of shadow kind of people over in the UK. So I mean the 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 UK pop scene was kind of rather diluted. There was one guy called Lonnie Donigan who was quite an interesting guy. He was actually Irish who had a uh, and he he kind of he grew up uh, alongside someone called Chris Barber who was a jazz kind mm-hmm. of guy and when i say jazz i'm mean, we're not talking about bebop here we're talking mm-hmm. about kind of trad jazz mm-hmm. they'd learned trad during the war and after the war the thing and before my brother's band these guys came off the, blues came out, the thing the flavor was trad jazz
3: mm-hmm. and,
2: and from that point of view we were quite a long way behind the u.s um and it was a kind of rather old-fashioned trad jazz and it was a bit boring we used we didn't really like it i mean I quite like it now. <laughs> but there was a, there, there was a guy, because that harked back to another era, the, you know, the trad, jazz, Louis Armstrong and all that stuff. But there was a guy who started putting stuff together, which was like skiffle, which mm. he did in the middle of the, in, in the break, in the kind of jazz thing. He came along and started doing like hillbilly songs and well he famously had a hit with rock island line
0: oh yeah Rock Island was,
2: Line, which was a hit in the us amazing and this guy was lonnie donegan and he was sort of irish and and he um uh you know he worked with a banjo player and uh, he washboard it was like it it was that was the first music that sort of came along before the blues and then my brother skiffle he had a string bass like a kind of tea chest bass, a guitar, washboard, whatever, and you did it at home, you you in three chords and you're as away, you know? <laughs> it, it, it wasn't sophisticated, but nobody cared. And <laughs> the great thing about all this music uh, stuff is, hey, man, you, you really don't need a lot of practice and education. You just need to be, you know, enthusiasm is the kind of uh-huh. the key to it all. <laughs> and I say this to people, you know, now, I mean, uh, you know, the, the nice thing about sort of pop music or you know, folk music, you could say, is you don't need to be that fantastic at it, you but you've got to have something you got to have a nice voice, or you know, you've got to have enthusiasm, you've got to pick the right songs, and you're away. It's not like playing Bach where you've got to, you know, learn all these endless scales and all this crap. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of music is democratic, so you know. That's what happened. That was the first kind of wave that happened before blues. And then people started, you know, playing some 12 bar blues, which again, you don't have to be that sophisticated to play a 12 bar blues. You can follow that pretty easy. And that's what, and then everyone started having blues bands. And I was really just a spectator on the scene for years and years and years. I never really played any music not really till i was like 20 i didn't really have a proper guitar till i was 21 mm. but i figured that i'd listen to hell of, i'd listened to a hell of a lot of music and you know what that listening to music is you is very educational because you it kind of soaks in you know yeah. you, you know you, you, it, it's all very well it's just to start playing it. I mean, there's a lot of people now that can, they, they can play really flash stuff and uh, a certain genre. And then you mention somebody they've never heard of. I mean, they haven't really got a musical education because they feel they don't really need to. But a musical education is a great thing, and that's what I kind of got via my brother and from that period, I got a great musical education. You know, we listened to the blues. I listened to Charlie Mingus. We listened, to, I listened to, you know, and then we listened to jazz when it came out, Miles Davis and, and Coltrane and that when we was at school, all those great stuff. And then we listened to, we did listen to sort of J.S. Bach and I listened to Indian music. And then we listened, to, I listened to a lot of world music.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: so I had a very kind of, eclectic kind of musical education which i obviously want have had had i not had a brother like that so you know those are the sort of advantages you get from having an older brother
0: well you there's a video i just want to draw people's attention the video which shows off your your talent your musical talent and people are going to ask naturally well does he talk to mick do they like each other blah 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 well if you look at this video which has anyone seen my heart it's actually uh you do a it's a i don't know it's a duet or i mean it's a collaboration with mick i mean the, you're both in the video and the horns so who are the horns in that that's a the great horn players in that video
2: yeah we got some nice for that mix up the medicine the last thing we did we did all that right before lockdown hmm. and uh we there's a couple of horn players that live down up, up in south london nick payne and um nick payne and uh Frank Mead who played with Charlie uh, they played Gary Moore and uh, Bill Wyman had a band that they played with and they play sort of sessions and stuff like they're very accomplished players and um, yeah we so we pushed the boat out on that. It's a bit more jazzy's got a few yeah me and Charlie worked hard on that album with the arrangements so um, which was fun Um you know, and so we kind of extended some of those songs. I feel that, you know, uh, quite a lot of songs now, they, I mean, I, I like, you know, like I'll I'll listen to Frank Sinatra, you know, you know, a lot of stuff. And, you know, those great songs and they, they, the way they develop those songs, you know, there's an intro that comes up, you've got a verse, it's repeated, then you've got the chorus, you've got the hook lines. And then where do you go? You've got an instrumental, and then maybe there's a bit of a turnaround, something interesting, or there's something you're not expecting. And we worked kind of hard on that because I do kind of listen to modern music, and, and you listen to it. Yeah, okay, I've got the picture. That's the hook line. You repeat it. You repeat it. And what else you got? And a lot of it is, well, there's nothing else. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. it. It yeah. don't go nowhere. <laughs> It's just repetitive, you know, just, and uh, you know, I we really enjoyed that. Um, there's this one tune that we recorded, it's called Um, A Love Like This, and uh, I was singing live on it. And the thing I, I just was saying, okay, let's go to another middle eight, and I wrote another, I wrote another sort of thing for that, and then you know, just to I mean, lyrically to extend the idea because. You know, you come up with a lyrical idea. That's fine, but how do you extend it? You know, uh, what what are your? is my wife is coming along, do
3: oh, you, you want to, say, to hello? say
2: hello?
0: Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. let's say hello. Come and
2: say hello, Carrie Anne. Come hello.
1: here.
0: Who is it? Come here. <laughs> please. <laughs> we hello. want to be here. No, can we come can't, here? Can't closer. see you. Can't see you.
1: Go closer. Get closer.
2: No, closer. Yeah.
0: Don't be shy. Come on. Yes. There she is. There's Carrie Ann. So you guys have five kids together? How many all girls or boys? What's the mix?
3: We've got, um, oh, goodness. We've got 14 grandchildren. Oh. oh five boys. Five boys. Oh. Sorry, I'm eating some chocolate. <laughs>
0: that's okay.
3: Five. Five boys, 14 grandchildren.
1: That's a, 14 grandchildren. Wow. That's a lot of
0: birthdays to remember. Talking about birthdays. It
3: dogs. Two dogs, 14 sheep, 12 chickens, three cats. And a partridge. um,
0: Two goldfish. (laughs) Goldfish. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's great. So, yeah, it's just for your own, uh, I mean, you don't have a commercial farm or anything. You just, uh, you shear the sheep and you make sweaters out of the sheep? No, it
2: costs costs money.
0: Oh, yeah. No, the
3: sheep.
2: The sheep are just pets.
3: No, they're just not. You're, all, you're not
2: allowed to eat them.
3: They're lawnmowers.
2: you know
1: names, the sheep.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But Alfie, we've got uh, Stomper, we've got. <laughs> Naughty Stomper. boy. Naughty boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did he get that name? It came also. Because
3: he always used to come up behind you and give you a bit of a. Oh. Put.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny.
3: Yeah. Anyway, I'm um, hanging out the washing at the moment, and the dogs are waiting for their dinner.
0: Okay. And, well, nice you. <laughs> where, are, and where, where do you live? What part of your north of London, or where, whereabouts do you live? We're in Somerset. Oh, Somerset. Okay.
2: Southwest. We're Who south of Bristol, if you know where that is. Where are
3: you?
0: We're in um, Connecticut, outside New York City.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. As an agency, are you? No, nope. are you? An agency? <laughs> no, no, an agency.
1: It's, a it's a podcast. Oh, it's a podcast.
3: Just All right, a podcast. see you. In a
0: bit. Bye. Nice. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Bye, bye,
0: bye. Nice talking to you. <laughs> so, so, uh good. did you want to play anything? By the way, I mean, yeah, right. Do you feel like feel like right. playing a song? Oh me? Yeah. Do you have anything new you want to audition here? I mean, not another. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll get the job. I ain't
2: got any. I, I forgot about that. You oh, we'll have
0: to play okay. a record or something. No, that's all right. Well, no, well, we plugged your videos. The other, well, the other video, what is called Mudgeley, um Mudgley time. What is Mudley time? I saw the video. Well, the video, but
2: well, I I live in Mudley, and uh, it's a spoof on yeah, as you know, Tulsa time, and yeah. uh, that was a sort of lockdown song I had. I recorded it here in my barn, but it was a bit of a mess and it took me a long time to sort of sort it out and then it took me a long time to put all those pictures together and I've only just done it. So, uh, yeah, I live a couple of doors down from the cider maker, Roger Wilkins, so I just put that together and put it out the other few days ago. So, uh, yeah, and John Porter did that for me as well. Um, who he also produced the record? If you know John Porter, do you know who he is? Not familiar.
0: No. What? Not familiar with him. Is he a producer? Well,
2: he he was. Um, i have known him a long, long time. He he was from the northeast. He used to play bass with. He went to the same art school as Brian Ferry, oh, and yeah. then he played bass with Roxy Music, and he produced some of their records. In fact, he was doing a. Brian Ferry record when I sort of got hold of him to do this last month but I mean in, the, in the Hebrew, he'd done a lot of producing over here with the Smiths and whole dozens and dozens of bands and then he went over to the West Coast he, he did this album with Buddy Guy called Damn Right I Got the Blues mm. uh, which was Buddy's kind of comeback album and he's done dozens and dozens of Blues Records over there, and then he moved to New Orleans. He did quite a lot of records in New Orleans with a load of guys, and he's moved back over here finally after all these years. And he his wife is someone called Linda Keith that I've known for a long, long time from when she went out with Keith Richards, and hmm. she was famous for um, bringing uh, Jimi Hendrix right. over to UK.
0: All right. Uh,
1: I've heard that story. Yeah,
0: it's a great. Uh, yeah, she
2: she she took Jimi Hendrix to Seymour Stein, who turned him down. <laughs> if you know about the record business, yeah,
0: yeah, that's crazy. Well, um, have you been to the states? Have you performed here or come to the? Not states?
2: for a long time. Well, I'm saving up my shackles to come over because, well, I did. I was quoted like ten grand to get a visa. I can maybe get it a little bit cheaper but you know to come work over there i need a visa, and uh, it's like a 48 page document that you got to fill in and mm-hmm. lawyers have got to do it and you've got to have everything set up ahead of time and i mean i just got i'm playing next month in um australia oh. and you need a visa for there but i mean it, it's you know you can get someone i got a friend over there who who filled it did it with the Mm. Uh, authorities, and it's not so complicated. It's quite complicated. You've got to have all these clearances, all these letters, all these police things, birth certificates, blah, blah, blah. But you can do it yourself. In the US, you can't do it yourself. You've got to have an attorney to do it.
0: Mm. And
2: that costs money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So this is the prohibitive thing about coming yeah. to America um, legally anyway. I mean, they basically they don't really want you to come unless if you're a big actor, of course, it's not a big deal,
1: you know. Yeah.
2: But I mean, I feel it's a shame, and not only affects musicians, but also universities and mm. you know, quite a lot of people. Um, you know, it's it's a restriction of trade,
0: it is, by, and culture
2: by, by, by a kind of stealth. And I think it's a real shame because if you're a little old Scottish folk singer that. <laughs> someone wants to have in a you know in to perform what their nice folksy kind of you know midwest folk festival i mean it it's almost you're making it impossible for this cultural exchange to happen yeah well, whereas i can go to canada that's easy
3: hmm.
2: like, i mean with- we played at the we played at the montreal jazz festival and i said would well, you need a visa they said no When you arrive in Montreal, you go there and you just say, I'm come to play in the Montreal Jazz Fest. And we went went there and they said, well, it's worth $11 million for the city of Montreal. So if you're going to hassle people about visas, you're not going to have a great festival. But uh, unfortunately, they don't see it that way in the US. And, of course, Hmm. I mean, in the old days, when I first came over, we did it with the MU. They had an exchange thing the American MU and the British MU it was a quid pro quo and they that's how they worked it and you had to pay some money to the union and it it was you know you had to get your ticket and all that fine had to be in the union and all that but that's long since gone so I mean unfortunately and I'd like to come over you know when I can make it but um you know it's a, a lot of money to find before you've
1: even made a buck you know I didn't know it was that difficult. I never knew that because uh, yeah. we can just go right to England with a plane ticket. I mean, just that if we want to work. I mean, I went there in seventies. Uh, Migs went there. We went there a bunch of times, and I just I got just one. I went there on like a plane, you know, and then I got off and looked for a job. And then sometimes you want to wash dishes in our restaurant, and that was probably illegal. <laughs> <laughs> probably. No, oh. Americans
2: can come to Europe and stuff. It's pretty easy. I mean, it's now easier for Americans to go to Europe than it is for us after Brexit.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's too bad. That's a shame. So that's
2: another fuck up. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, James, David, we're sort of almost out of our thirty. Yeah, minutes. I do. So, um, in one of your
1: interviews, you described uh, your, your relationship with Mick as a two-way street. What did you mean by that? Did I? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're somewhere along the line in
0: Wikipedia. It's in the Wikipedia. You, look, you have a Wikipedia entry if you look at that.
2: Well, you know, it's a sort of um, you know, it, it's great having family and um, all that uh, and relationships like that, but you've got to work on it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. It does well, no matter who you are. You can't have someone work on it for you,
0: right? No, like a marriage. I mean, it takes work. But you have a, a video called "Hey Brother," which is, uh, addresses your relationship with Mick. You know, and uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's uh, a <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, because it's been quite hard for me because I got to share him with these, all these millions of fans. Sure, yeah. So yeah. that all that's yeah. all quite time consuming. Sure. So um, even though he's quite, you know, I mean, mean, he's not uh, available like I am. I mean, even I'm busy, but he's busy. He's got so many things he's doing all the time. Mm. So, and he's got a lot of children. So do I. But, um, you know, the thing is, it's quite special what you have. You grow up together. You have the same parents. You've got a lot of things in common. So okay fair enough i mean that's one reason i asked him to come play and do stuff with me on records because that's mm-hmm. an opportunity to get together you
0: know oh right yeah there's a line in the video or in, in the the song hey brother have you got a minute to spend which i guess sums up kind of what you're just saying yeah
2: there yeah, i think it is
0: yeah yeah a to spare. Yeah. you have a minute to spare right
2: that's my uh that's my slightly sarcastic.
0: T- yeah. <laughs> did any comment from Mick about it? Did he, uh, did he hear it? It. Yeah.
2: He said, Oh, who's that about then? <laughs> but but it, it, it's all, yeah, it's true what you say. But the thing is, quite a few people have said to me because when you describe relationships and things that are personal to you, that, yeah, sure, there's personal to you, but it's quite common for other people. And people have said, listen, I got a brother and I got this the same thing. I got the same situation with him. You know, I mean, I did that thing about my father and my relationship with my father and people come up to me and one time after I played that song and they said, oh, my father died just recently. And that really reminded me of him and all the little things. Mm. So, I mean, you're opening up common ground. You
3: know, yeah. this
2: is... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's about me and my brother, but I mean, a lot of other people got brothers and sisters and whatever. So it's common to everybody, you know. What I said,
1: preach.
0: I mean, we're brothers, and and actually, we don't live very close, and our opportunities, you know, it's a different situation. But you know, the podcast is a way for us to to get. Well, that's
2: great. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. Well, I know. That's it, isn't no Well, I mean, families are funny things, aren't they? You know, like yeah, you know, you, I mean, a lot of people never even see their brother or sister, or you know, they're they're either too far away or they don't get on with them, or you know, something like that. But I mean, of course, it's it, it's it's a nice thing having. I mean, someone asked my brother about it, and he said, "Well, it's great because you know, he, he it's great for him because I play music too." I mean, if I hmm. was in Marine insurance, I don't know. We <laughs> wouldn't have so much, like, well, I might make more money, but we wouldn't have as so much to talk about.
0: Sure, yeah, you know? that's, that's true. Yeah, well, gee, thank you so much. Uh, oh, is that it? Uh, well, if you can go if you have anything do you want to talk about or, or uh, mention. You
3: you want to... Yeah,
2: well, it's
0: nice that you mentioned
2: about coming over to the US because that's something I really want to do. Uh, I want to come over and sort of do a tour and play. And I figure there's quite a lot of people that I may have known from years ago and some new people and that me and Charlie Hart would like to come over and maybe link up with a few American musicians. And, you know, I do some reading from my book and, uh, and then we play some stuff, take some questions. It's a
1: kind of interesting
2: way to do it because Sometimes I read a bit, you know, we play some tunes and I read a bit from my book. I say, well, that's enough. Do you want me to read more? And they say, yeah, yeah,
1: read some more.
2: (laughs) And I go, that's enough of that, you know. Let's play a few tunes. So, you know, there's a kind of interesting, intimate way to do it. And I very much want to come over to the Hmm. US to meet up to uh, people. And uh, um, I know how, because all the music that I'm playing and stuff is, is... people are going to appreciate it over there. You know, they don't appreciate it everywhere, particularly not in my country.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: in, in America, they will appreciate, the, you know, our music because it's very much Americana and some of those jazzy things that all came from there. Obviously, got a little bit of an English twist maybe mm-hmm. on them. Um, and I haven't been over since the 90s when we played a few gigs over there um with a band which was great fun um i mean the hard thing is just to turn it around and make enough money to pay for it
0: well maybe some pretty yeah maybe this podcast we get it out there and uh bring it to people's attention maybe somebody will pick up the tab or want to bring you over you know
2: well what you kind of need is somebody saying i have a festival in you know yang wai fong chang <laughs> And I'd really like to get Chris Jagger over and I can put up ten thousand yeah. dollars for him to pay a couple of gigs here.
3: Yeah. And
2: so you need, you know, how you how you sort of have to book gigs is you need one or two kind of anchor points. Right. Yeah. And then once you've got that and then you you know, that's a good start, and then you can then you can fill in the gigs. And I mean, I know quite a lot of people, obviously out in California San Francisco, Los Angeles, Texas. I got a lot of friends. The East Coast, I got friends in New York, Connecticut. Um, You know, I mean, I'm not so good in Kansas.
0: (laughs) Neither are we. We're we're not very popular in Kansas either.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was telling someone the other day, I went to Prague Mm. and uh, I was playing in Prague, and this guy is a big fan of music and he wanted to do Kansas City. So then he was doing this song called Kansas City. I said, well, why do you want to do Kansas City for? It's kind of very old tune. And uh, Anyway, I said, well, do you know why Kansas City was ch- They don't know the story. I said, but it's this guy called Prendergast who was the mayor who didn't give a shit about the prohibition, oh. and he opened the whole place up, and all the musicians were going because they, they didn't have a gig. Because there was nowhere to play because of prohibition, it really screwed up the musicians. <laughs> and then, and then they said, well, "You want to go to Kansas City because there's a gig there." Because I mean, why on earth would you want to go? It was a cow town. Yeah, it's where they drove the cows up, you know. And it was on the railhead, you know. Kansas City, here I come. Well, why the hell do you want to go to Kansas City? And this guy had no idea. That was the story. He'd never been to Kansas City, so. You know, I mean, that's the history of America. I mean, it's quite interesting. You mentioned my father, you started out. Mm. And my father, originally, he learned history. And so I'm we all, me and my brother are quite good history buffs. And so one of the more useful things I learned in school, we did American history. Mm. We did the Constitution. We did the state's rights and the, sure. all that stuff, but, uh, the Civil War and all that.
1: You probably so, know more than most Americans,
0: honestly. Yeah, I think you do.
2: So, you know, that was kind of quite useful because it's contemporary history. And if you want to do go to America, you've got to understand about America a little bit. And all that stuff helps you understand the history of America. And, I mean, the blues music and all that music, I mean, that's the history of America. That is what happened. It's all written in the music. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's you know, it's it's, it's it's a good education. I mean, America wasn't about, you know, Bach and Beethoven. It was about B.B. King and, you know,
0: yeah.
2: all that stuff. So,
0: John Hammond, yeah. So, yeah.
2: so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in my book about that. So, and also in the book, I did try – one, one of the things I did have to do slightly in the book was I've worked with quite a lot of musicians – but they're not that big-name musicians. So I wanted to pay some kind of tribute to guys who have played with bands, who have brought a lot of music, uh, enabled a lot of music to happen, that have never really been well-known. And you mentioned someone, a drummer or a bass player, you can't just say their name. It means nothing. So then you've got to just... It, you know, talk about them a little bit because these guys are the unsung people. They never made a lot of money out of music. They never made a big, you know, success. Or because they were kind of side men, they were talented. It was the funny thing about music is some people did very, very well and made a lot of money. A lot of other people made no money at all, and their names are really kind of forgotten. And mm-hmm. I like sought to slightly address
1: that mm-hmm. thing in my
2: book. So it's a little bit about the, you know, the other people who have played music. And if you're a student of, and you're interested in contemporary music and that, you know, there's a lot of stuff in my book about it. Cause someone said, well, who's going to be interested in this book? I said, well, anyone who likes me, miss music, you know, cause there's a lot of stuff about, you know, different people I've met. And um, apart from famous people, of course, obviously you can name drop. But that's kind of gets a bit boring. Mm-hmm. So I hope you enjoyed the book. Maybe you can get a copy of it and
0: Yeah, we tried to order before, like a week before, and it said it was gonna take three weeks to get there. So we, we I three weeks. Yeah, when I ordered on Amazon, I think it comes from the UK. It doesn't come they don't stock it in America, so they have to ship it from the UK.
2: I'll have a word with Jeff Bezos.
0: Yeah, please. Did- please cuz <laughs> i i really we we left time to get it we figured amazon we get it the next day and it's said 3 weeks delivery so um anyway we appreciate the love yeah but uh that's that's- well, for
2: your time and everything good luck with your thank- podcast
3: thank you very thank much you you're coming up take care